Hello everyone, welcome back to American Billiard Radio. Today is Friday, July 13th. Friday the 13th. I know that I was supposed to have the show out yesterday, but I had a good reason this time. I was at Freezer's Ice House last night for day two of the One Pocket event over there, part of the West Coast Swing. While I was there, I had a chance to sit down with Scott Frost, and we talked about the tournament and how it is to own a pool room and that sort of thing. Also this week, I had a chance to talk to Adrienne Beach. She is the president of the North American Pool Tour. They recently announced their open division. They're moving the regional tour system of qualifying for larger events through regional tours. They're moving it over to the open side of things. Uh, Adrienne will tell us about that open division and some upcoming events for the ladies and, and just how the North American Pool Tour is going. Before we get to those two interviews, though, uh, the news over the last two weeks, I would say, is just about all West Coast swing. Uh, Jeffrey DeLuna won the Cole Dixon Memorial. 75 players for that one, and Jeffrey went undefeated. A week later, the West Coast swing was at California Billiards. The One Pocket event drew 51 players, and Tony Chohan went undefeated, beating Shane Van Boning in the finals. Right after the one pocket was 10 ball, and Dennis Orcoyo came back from the one loss side to defeat Ruslan Chinahoff. An interesting thing that happened with the payouts from the California Billiards event. Seeming Chen has been at the top of the AZ Billiards money list all year. Shane was slowly creeping up. I mean, normally he's at the top of the list. He was slowly making his way there. With the payouts from the One Pocket event, Shane took over number one on the money list. Three days later, with the payouts entered from the 10-ball event at California Billiards, Dennis Orcoyo knocked Shane back down to second place, and Chen is now in third. So Shane got back to where we expected him to be. He just wasn't there for very long. As of the time that we're putting this episode out... They are down to the final four in the one pocket over at Freezers, and they have a full field of 96 players for the 10 ball, which will kick off today. Let's get to the interviews now. First off, again, I had a chance to talk to Adrienne Beach. This is our conversation about the North American Pool Tour. All right, everybody, I am very proud to be joined now by Adrienne Beach from the North American Pool Tour. Uh, Adrienne, how are things? I think they're great. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Seems like we were just talking the other day. I, I know. It does, isn't it? <laughs> um, just so that there's full disclosure out there, um, Adrienne is the president of the North American Pool Tour, and I am a board member of the North American Pool Tour, but not right now. So we can't talk about anything <laughs> that you want done for the next hour. <laughs> Yeah, I managed to coerce you to get on the board at night. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, honestly, I've, I've talked about it on the show before. I, I believe in, in what you're doing. And when you mentioned that you were ready to launch the Open Division, which we will talk about on this conversation, that really got my attention because I've always believed in that concept of, of taking that over from the, the ladies' side to the men's side. But I don't want to get ahead mm -hmm. of myself. Um, so we talked, what, uh, two, two and a half years ago on this show? 
It has. And uh, I think I mentioned back then uh, how busy you were. Little did you know. <laughs> I know. It's, it's been pretty crazy. I'm racking up the freaking fire miles, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us what's transpired uh, in the last two and a half years on the NAPT. Uh, we had five, six, seven eight events, I think, in the last two, uh, two and a half years. Nine events. We've given away over $100,000 worth of prizes. I mean, you know, cash um, prizes. We've uh, we've had another tour join us. So we've got two Canadian regional tours that have joined us. Um, we've held two Division Two championships and... Uh, they just keep getting better and better for the, for the women. Um, it's, it's pretty exciting because, uh, the last, not the last one I went to, but the year before, um, you know, everybody was really excited and then we, you know, we all through it and everything get all done. And we start the new, new year and all of a sudden memberships are coming in <laughs> right away. It's like, go, oh, I'm paying my membership now because I want to get to get to that. So I'm playing for, getting to that championship because I had so much fun. It, it's just, it's been great. It's been really, the response we're getting from, from um, the ladies is amazing. Um, we're getting more of the pro women coming. We've had Lena, um, on, uh, I can't even pretend to pronounce her last name. She even explained it to me and I can't do it. But um, Monica Webb played Vivian. Um, Allison has played now. And of course, Theron Core has been with us the entire time. So it's, and they're seeing what we're doing and are excited. So, I, you know, it's, it's great. It's, it's a lot of fun, too. And, and to fill in the listeners, um, the NAPT is basically the familiar system of regional tours feeding into a, a more pro uh, division. So can you explain mm-hmm. how the divisions break down? Okay, so we have we have Division One, which is our pro tour. Um, basically, they're playing in pool rooms right now. Then we'll have you know the top players from that play, you know from that tour. Eventually, we'll play into the premier events, like kind of like the Masters of, of golf kind of a thing, you know. Um, so we have some you know five events in casinos like that. But right now we just have the classic sports playing in pool rooms. Um, and then the, they have the division two and division two is basically semi pros and they're qualifying to play on that division one tournament. So it's basically a farm system. So you're developing players from, um, from being amateurs to being um, professionals. Uh, so we have the division two, we figure that's a semi pro level. And then underneath that, we've got a couple of division threes. So those are amateur tours and there's a couple of our tours. Um, one, the Canadian Women's Pool Tour, she's doing it. And uh, I believe the North Central Pool Tour is also hosting um, a Division Three tour. And what they do is they actually have theirs, their Division Three and their Division Two at the same time so that the ladies that are playing in the Division Three kind of get experience seeing where the Division Two is. So it kind of gets them into, okay, um, this is what I'm working towards. Kind of thing. So we're actually working on developing those players through this through a system, um, kind of like Major League Baseball. You get A, Double A, Triple A, and you get into the Major Leagues. Um, so it's kind of that same kind of thing. Just a, you know, it's a little our own little 
weeks on it, but yeah. So these are all ladies events. Um, Mm -hmm. Walk me through. Well, what, what I feel strange because I'm asking questions that I know the answers to, but um, (laughs) what, uh, what tournaments are, are on the horizon? Okay. So we have our summer classic, a summertime classic, which will be at Shooters in Grace Lake, Illinois. Uh, it's just outside of Chicago. It's a really nice room there. Bill has been supportive of us, uh, the owner, since um, we started this. Um, so we have that one in August. I believe that is the 16th, 16th to the 19th. Um, I believe those are the dates. I should probably look those up. Um, and then after that, we have Griffs, which is the third weekend um, in, or the third week in September. And that was spectacular last year. Mark Griffin was very impressed about what was going on. We had Karen Cor and Allison Fisher playing in the finals like it was back in, you know, the 90s, you know, these two battling out. It was great. Um, a lot of spectators in the room, a lot of spectators on the stream. It was it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And besides the room that's there is is pretty spectacular too. All diamond tables and Mark did a really great job on that room. And then uh right after that we go back to shooters and this is for our open division um inaugural tournament. So Bill, who has been with us for the ladies, he has, you know, he's taken a leap of faith and saying, okay, you want to bring in 96 men to, okay, we're going to do this. So he's doing that the following week right after Griff's for the ladies. And then we signed on a new room. This is pretty exciting because I have never been here, been there. Um, We're going to Montreal, uh, Quebec. So uh, that is at Dooley's. And it is in um, the first weekend in November. I think it's the first to the fourth. So that's really exciting. And then we signed for the Division Two Championships in February. Um, that will be at Bullshooters there in Phoenix. Um, added money for these events is it? It's five thousand for each one. It's five thousand for each one, except for the open. That one is six thousand. And the the monies are guaranteed. Um, so the only way that the the price fund actually changes is depends on the the number of entries. If we have a full field, full field, then you know we have the twenty one thousand for most of the events, um, except for the D two championships because the entry fees are less for that one. And that one's like eleven thousand, I believe, and then um, thirty thousand for the open. And since really the the news right now is the open division let's mm-hmm. let's focus on that um the ladies side of things is very familiar with the idea of playing on a regional tour and qualifying for a larger event the men have never had anything like this at least as far as i know no i don't believe they ever have so we're going to have to teach <laughs> we're going to have you know have to explain and and really um the few people that I have talked to understand it because they know me and they know the ladies that I play with out here in the Northwest. Um, Stan Tranjo is one of them. Um, they they under, kind of have an idea. 
So when I said we're going to duplicate what we do for the ladies, we're going to do it for the men in the open division. And we call it the open division because women can qualify to play on it, but they have to qualify through open tours. They can't cross over from the ladies' tour and play on the open tour. So they actually have to get in the trenches with the men and qualify to play on that on that particular tour. Um, so it's, um, but yeah, we're duplicating the same system. It works for the ladies. It should work fine for the men. Um, it's the same kind of thing. You're developing players from amateurs to professionals. Um, and you're giving them a lot more opportunity to grow with players and to really get their feet wet and understand, you know, what it takes to, to win tournaments and, and just to become better players. And it's an opportunity for us to grow the sport, which is really the bottom line. What we want to do is grow the sport too. And, you know, that's something you talked about um, in the past. And if, if the pool world had a dime for every person who said they were going to do something for it, we wouldn't be struggling. But mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're out there, and, and, and I have a pretty good idea how much work it takes. You know, you're out there actually trying to make things happen. Yeah, well, we don't have, you know, a lot of money behind us. We're not out there slashing. This is all a grassroots. There's 14 people on the board, and we're working our butts off to really make this work. And I think that is the difference than what has happened in the past. We're not coming in with a lot of money and a lot of flash and all that kind of stuff. We're just coming in with the hard work and a dedication that we're doing this. And, you know, we, we're trying our best to make sure that we're putting – um, a good product out there for the players that we are marketing ourselves well, that we are getting um, uh, exposure where we need exposure and really connecting with the fans and that kind of thing um, to really grow the sport. So I think instead of trying to start from the top and work our way down, we're starting at the, you know, kind of at the bottom. Uh, obviously our prize funds are not the biggest, um, but I think as we grow, you're going to find that they will get up there and we're always having new talent come out through the system. You know, you always need to have that replacing with, you know, aging talent. It's the same thing as any other sport. Um, so we have to do that. Um, always developing the next, the next Shane Van Boning kind of a thing. So. Um, or the next Allison Fisher coming through, which will be April Larson, I think, at this point. Okay, so so let's talk about the Open Division. Um, let's pretend that I'm Johnny Shortstop, and I'm interested in playing at Shooters in the first event. Uh-huh. How would I go about doing that? Okay, okay so uh, if he is not an established pro, which we're looking at the Fargo rates of you know, anyone over 700, uh, pretty much being um, an established row, and we're just kind of going down the list. Uh, he would have to win a qualifier. So there's going to be several qualifiers throughout the country that he can go and play in, and most of the qualifiers is a paid entry. It's a $275 entry fee. And uh, so he would qualify that way if um, – he continues to play on a regional tour or a division two tour, which is what it is. Um, then he would earn points throughout the year. And then at the end of the year, they go to the division two championships and the top few places for the ladies. It's the top four. It'll probably be more for the men because it'd be a bigger field. 
than what we have for the ladies. But uh, so I, you know, it could be eight, the top eight places get automatic invites for the following year for all the all the events that we have. Um, the third way is to be the tour champion of the Division Two tour. So they play, you know, say they play on the Diamond Tour all year long. They're the tour champion. They get automatic invites for the following year to all the to all of the events. And do you think that it's going to be too foreign a concept for, you know, somebody who who plays out of shooters and they say, oh, $6,000 added open event, I'm there, and they walk up and want to pay their entry? <laughs> I think it, we may have a little bit of that, yeah. It's not an open event. It's an invitational. And, it, you know, so it's the 10-ball. It's an inaugural, inaugural 10-ball invitational. So I think by being an invitational, then the people understand that you have to be um, invited. Now, promoters, if you are a room and you want to ha- host one of these events, you do get a couple of spots to give to whoever you choose that you think is worthy. It doesn't have a spot in the tournament. We do give away those. Um, so it, it is possible for somebody who plays their shooters and wants to get in if they know Bill and Bill says, yeah, here, I got a spot for you. <laughs> and these are all four-day events? They are, um, they're at, well, they start on um, Friday morning. The actual main event starts on Friday morning. On Thursday, of course, we have the registration and the players meeting. And then afterwards, we have a charity event. And we've done this for the ladies, um, our second tournament. Uh, as a way of giving back to the community we're in, as a way of drawing people in to meet the players and actually get them kind of hooked on what we're doing. And we found with the ladies, they really they people come back into the room just to watch because they've played scotch doubles with that woman over there, and they they now they know her and they want to watch and see how she does. So I think that same concept is going to work pretty well with the men. That way they can you know create fans in the process of, you know, um, getting more people into the room and giving back to the community and, you know, helping Bill out by getting bodies in his room, which is what he's looking for. So I think it's, I think it's a good thing. And it's a lot of fun too. We do, uh, it's a, it's, it's scotch doubles, blind draw, we do a modified single elimination race to two nine ball. So it goes very fast, but everybody has fun. There's sharking that goes on. And, you know, it's, it's just fun. It's just a fun thing. Top players get an invite. Uh, players below that, Fargo wise, I don't want to, I don't want to sound out of line when I say below that. Um, they earn it through a regional tour. And at the mm-hmm. moment, the Diamond Tour in Arizona, but we expect that we're going to have a couple more tours that are on board shortly. Right, right. There's there's one that's forming in the Northwest, so there'll be one up here. Uh, I think uh, there will be one forming in Wisconsin, from what I'm hearing. I think there's one forming in the Northeast as well. Um, and then we had a couple of people interested in uh, the Southeast so I think we're going to have some, and, you know, I'm hoping that we can sign on some of the existing regional tours that are out there. 
as a, an additional bonus for their players. You know, be a member of the NAPT, play on on our tour. You have your membership. You get qualified to to possibly play in a you know win a qualifier or play in the Division One or Division Two championships at the end of the year. And if I play on a regional tour that isn't involved with the NAPT, how do I go about convincing them? Well, it's a hundred and fifty dollars sanctioning fee for a tour to sanction with the NAPT. And at this point, if they were to sign on now, that $150 um, is good through the end of 2019. So you get a year and a half of sanctioning. And uh, anybody who signs up as an open player in the open divisions, um, their $20 membership is also good towards uh, the end of the year or the pros for that matter. Their uh, membership will be good as well through the end of 2019 for the open players. And can I can I petition my uh, tour director to contact somebody to find out how they can join? Absolutely, absolutely. You can certainly you can contact me, um, or actually anyone on the board. But I myself and obviously you. Because they're helping me out with this. Um, either one of us uh, can help anybody out with it. So you can get on the website, send me an email, um, Beach at playnapt.com, and say, hey, send me some information on it, and I'll send you what I have, and talk, give you a phone call, and we can talk about it, and answer all your questions, and get you signed up. Okay. So... You started with the ladies' side of things. You're now mm-hmm. branching into the open or the men's side of the game. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell me what's tell me what's on the horizon. You know, let's say five years down the road, where do you hope for things to be? I hope that at that point in time, we actually have uh, not only the both the open and the women's division one going strong. Um, anywhere from 15 to 20 classic tournaments a year. And then I would like to have marquee tournaments so that you're in a casino, it's the premier, you know, like five of those stops a year um, for each, the open and the, and the ladies. Um, We'd love to have a strong amateur, which is a division three, which would feed into the division two. And then, you know, at some point in time, bring on juniors, you know, and, Probably that would kind of coincide with the uh, with the division threes. So, let's say I'm not Johnny Shortstop. Let's say I just love hanging out in a pool room and I love the game and I want to help out any way I can. So, how do I do that? Again, email me. There's <laughs> lots of things. <laughs> We're always looking for volunteers. <laughs> you can also also you know scout out some of the rooms uh, in your area. Um, if you if there's a Division Two tour in your area, certainly you know give them a call and you can find the the, the Division Two tours on our website. So um, you can check out and see if there's one in your area. If you, if you don't have one, you can start one. Um, you know, just contact us, fill out the the application, and we'll help you out with it. With getting you going. 
um, or, you know, just volu- you can volunteer to help us and spread the word. Once again, the next event is at Griff's, and that is... It's at Shooter's. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Right. The next one is at Shooter's. <laughs> Shooter's. In August. That is, yes. It's in August 16th through the 19th. So the 16th is when the, the charity tournament is. And that's a ladies' division event, as is Griff's and Montreal. Right. So... Really, right. if if a if a lady player wants to get involved in that, she really has to have been involved with a regional tour by now, right? Mm-hmm. I think uh, I well, I'm sure there's ladies out there who haven't signed on yet, but we have a lot of regional. We have eleven, I believe, regional tours at this point, and those are all listed on the website. They're all listed on the website under the Division Two Tours. Once those three events are done, then it's back to Shooters September 27th through the 30th for the first Open Division event. Right. And then Bull Shooters in February, and then after that, sky's the limit. Yeah. We're, we're still working on adding more events. I, I like to get a full schedule for everybody. Well, I know that we're working on a second. Notice how I was outside of the NAPT that whole time, and now I'm I'm we. Yeah, we, I noticed that. <laughs> we are working on another open division event. Uh, hopefully, hopefully by the end of the year. Yeah. Hope so. Get our fingers crossed. <laughs> okay. Everything, all the information is available at playinapt.com, or they can email you, or they can email me. Um, I will include both the URL and your email address on the notes with this show. And assuming that you don't collapse from all the hard work, then we'll see where we are in a couple of years. (laughs) Sounds good. All right. Well, I know it's late, and I appreciate the time taking you away from from working on the tour. I appreciate you uh, letting me talk about it. It's a passion at this point. Well, it's got to be a passion for all of us. Um, you know, it's it's people who are passionate about the game who've kept it going, and who I think are gonna are gonna drive it in the future. I, I agree. All right, I won't take up any more of your time. I imagine you and I will be talking again very soon off the mic, but <laughs> hopefully we will get together and talk soon or talk uh, after some of these upcoming events. Okay, sounds good. All right, thanks. Thank you very much. All right, bye. I know for a fact how hard Adrienne works at things. I love the idea of moving the regional tour system to the Open Division, and some of the other things that the NAPT is trying to put together. I think they're all positive things for the industry, and hopefully there are great things in their future. Again, last night I had a short period of time to talk to Scott Frost. It was late. Uh, He was still running around like a chicken with his head cut off last night, trying to make sure that everybody was happy, but he did spend 10 minutes with me. We sat down talked about the tournament and owning his own room. Here's my conversation with the freezer, Scott Frost. 
All right, so I'm in the epicenter of action for this weekend. Freezer's Ice House, I'm here with Freezer himself. Hey, Scott, uh, looks like a pretty crazy crowd out there. Grateful. That's the first word that comes to my mind here is grateful, you know. Um, I've had numerous players, a lot of good friends of mine, Thorsten, Torsty, Alex, Orcolo. You know, these guys didn't have to come here. Um, look at look at the, the 10 ball players. I mean, heck, we're playing a race to 8 10 ball. I got a Clenty Kasai. He's one of my favorite players. And, uh, you know, I've spent quite a bit of time in the last couple months trying to recruit these guys, but by no means did I put a gun to their head. And, and there's a lot of guys here that, you know, I've seen. I don't necessarily know their name firsthand, but they're in the pool world and they're big factors in the pool world as far as backers. And, and, and suppliers and cue makers and that they've all come to check out the room and support the tournament and and that makes me grateful well let's talk about the room I mean I know the kind of time and effort that was put in to get this place open how's on in your own room ah uh, <laughs> you're gonna know the answer to this because you know me quite well Everybody that knows me in this town knows I had probably what you would call an internship at, at a place called Colby's Corner Pocket, okay? And I never tried to compare what I was building here to Colby's, but I did think on a, on a scale that, I felt on a scale that Colby's was 6,000 square feet, we're actually 21,000 square feet, including the back of the house. I did think on a scale that this would be about 10 times tougher, or more difficult is probably the better word. This is um, this is a completely different monster because we're trying to do many different things at once. Um, a lot of rooms this size, credit to Chris Swartz with California Billiards, will work from the bar. And what I mean by that is they'll staff the bar and everything works from there. They run the food from there. They call the food orders out from there. Basically eliminating labor, eliminating overhead, eliminating service because the customer knows that they just go directly to the bar to get what they need. And in a, in a perfect world, I've thought about doing that. It's not possible the way we designed this building. So our biggest struggle as far as the room, and I know we're not necessarily talking about struggles, but my biggest struggle is staffing and providing the best service possible to the customer. How's the room? It's beautiful. Everybody loves the room. How's it uh, running, owning, operating a room? It's, I can tell you firsthand, it's something I've wanted to do for 20 years, and I prepared myself for what I thought would be the worst. I, I prepared myself for everything in the world that I could dream of, and then some. And I can tell you, I have not had one moment to sit back and say, wow, I finally did it, or wow, what a success, or wow, I'm going to be a millionaire in 10 years. I, the, the, that's never crossed my mind, and being a millionaire never crossed my mind to begin with with this, that what I want to do achieve is building the ultimate play place. The ultimate play place and hopefully other rooms throughout the country taking on. Um, maybe following suit, upgrading their rooms, updating them. Um, but I can tell you it's definitely not all that one would think from the outside. Well, you would be in a unique position to answer this question. Which is tougher and more stressful? Being on the road, not knowing where your next match is going to be, or running your own pool room? And I realize they're two completely different types of stress. It's really, you know, that question is, that I'm, it's a 
great question. It's ironic you're asking that question because I figured I would find out the answer today because I have not competed in a high-level competition since I've been here, um, except for when I played Orcolo and I was two months into construction already and I shouldn't have done that, but I, that doesn't count. Now I'm not a veteran Purim runner, but I'm, I'm, I'm definitely in the grease. It's different, completely different, being on the road and in heavy action and all that, and, and then dealing with 40 staff members that don't show up, that screw up, that don't put people on time, that don't do this, don't do that. Completely different, but so much the same. Um, I would say that this is more pressure, no doubt. Uh, it would be different if I was the one that put up the $2.2 million and everything was on me, but I have somebody that believes in me, right? My name's on the building. So, I, yeah, I'm getting a headache just thinking about it. Jeez. <laughs> uh, th this is more pressure without a doubt. I had all the freedom in the world. And I knew this coming into this. I had all the freedom in the world prior to this. And I was never completely broke. I could always reach out. I have a good family. I have good friends. And I had all the freedom in the world. I had a nice lifestyle. I had a nice little home, nice vehicle, great, great family, small family. But I knew I wanted this. I wanted something more out of my life. I wanted. I didn't want to just be, nothing against pool players, but I didn't want to just be that pool player that played pool his whole life and slowly went down when he got older. I didn't want to be that guy. It wasn't fair to myself. It wasn't fair to my family. And I owed that to my father, who was a hard worker. Um, so I don't regret where I'm at right now. But I can tell you that the pressure here is similar to the pressure that I just felt playing Orcolo, playing Jeffrey the Bull de Luna. It's similar, but you can just put it in a different setting. Uh, this is much stronger pressure. I've got a guy that's sitting directly below us right now, Jason Chance, that I can't fail. I can't fail him. You know. Um, yeah, he wanted to build a pool room as well, but it was my influence on that. You know, I obviously told him I think this is a great location. I think that, I think that designing it this way or that way or doing it this way will work. Um, you know, so my words have to prevail, and my work has to prevail. No matter what happens, this you know this is either going to work or it's not, and and I'll probably die trying if it doesn't. Well, to move things in a different direction, I know that you haven't been hitting balls, you know, competitively. Yeah, you played in a small tournament a couple weeks ago, but that wasn't really the same thing. I haven't actually hit thing. balls in almost three weeks. I haven't had my shaft. Okay. Yeah. But you came out of retirement for this one. I mean, you had to. You had to come out and play in this. I actually plan on not playing. The whole the whole plan was all along. Staff knew it. My partner knew it. Management knew it that I wasn't playing because I, we felt the business was more important. It was the morning of when we felt like everything was under control. I brought my partner back in here and I said, "Hey, do you tell me the truth? Do you have any issue at all, a sliver of an issue with me playing this tournament?" And he told me, "Heck no." And when he said no, I said, "All right, I'm going to play then." I know I've talked to people who work in pool rooms, not necessarily owning the pool room, but their business is in that pool room, mm -hmm. and they always have a problem with they're trying to play a match and people are coming up and asking them questions. Were you able to block that out of your Absolutely. mind? I was. Okay. I was. I didn't have a single issue with that. The staff is really good about that. They're not going to mess with me when I'm playing, probably because of the stage that it's on. Um, I was able to block that out until... Uh, 
I played a five-hour match with Arcolo. I had a ball skin on me to win three to one. The whole crowd saw it. No excuses. I, I got kind of screwed. It is what it is. But I had a five-hour match with him. I have, I'm not. I'm not battle proven and ready now. So that did take a little bit out of me. So after I lose that match, I go over to the woods back there, off the TV table, and I'm playing a match with Jeffrey DeBrule, DeLuna, on the one loss side. And this is where it got kind of interesting. I was in that match, I'm up 2-0, to zero, race to 3. As I'm up 2-0, to zero, race to 3, I overhear a comment behind me, which I never would have heard earlier in the day because I'd have been really focused, but I was getting tired. I hear a comment behind me that alluded to some people being on time or not on time on other pool tables. As I start looking around, while I'm in the match, which I should have never done, but, but again, I was getting fatigued. I wouldn't have noticed it earlier on in the day. While I'm in the match, I'm looking around, and there's three pool tables going with people that are not in the tournament. And I start getting that gut instinct that these people aren't on time. So what do I have to do? Business first. I go to one of my servers, ask her if these people are on time, and would you check for me? And sure enough, 10 minutes later, it's my shot. She comes over to me, tells me the truth. Nope, they aren't on time. And I told her they've been playing at least 90 minutes. So I find that out in the middle of my match being up on the hill. So then I have her investigate another table. And they weren't on time as well. If there's something that won't drive you more crazy, it's that. You know, here I am fighting for my life to keep the doors open. Not that we're losing money or anything, but, but we have a business here. And we, we can't even tackle one simple thing, putting people on time. And it, I'm not saying that cost me the match, but I can tell you one thing. To your question, at that point, seven or maybe about eight hours later in the day, I couldn't keep it out of my mind. It did finally get the best of me. It wasn't an excuse, but it did finally get the best of me. I completely lost all focus, and I ended up losing that match, three in a row. You lost to uh, Jeffrey and Dennis. Were they both Hill Hill? Yes. And I was up 2-1 or 2-0 in both. So if that proved anything to you, you know that you can still compete with the best yeah, out there. Yeah, that was great. That was great, man. That was great. I was really excited because I was scared to play Dennis today. Not scared. I'm not scared of anything. But I did not know what it was going to be like. You don't know until you do it. It's been a long time. And... and uh, you know, the last time I actually played for a big match was with Dennis for a hundred grand. And in the back of my mind I was here on site in construction playing him for that hundred grand. So I didn't know what was gonna happen today. I didn't know if I could make a ball. I didn't know if I could even chalk my cue, but sure enough, Mike, it all came back to me like it was nothing, man. It it was a, it was great. It it was great. It was great. It, it felt good. Um, I've had a blast this whole time because of the fact that I know I'm not dead. You know, I know that, you know, in a year, if we prove this thing successful, I could probably go back out and play, and I'd love to do that. All right. Well, I won't take up any more of your time. I know it's really late, and I know how hard you work down here. Uh, As we talk, it's Thursday night, so there's one more night of one pocket and then three days of uh, ten ball. You ready for it all? Yeah, I got to be here at uh, 7.45 in the morning. Oh, and I'll probably be here till 2 a.m. That probably a 15, 20 hour day, but I am ready for it. I've prepped for it, and and I want to say one thing since this is on the radio. 
I'm thankful for everybody that came, and I'm also thankful for the, for the staff that stepped up and helped us this week. I'm thankful for Jack, Lenny, and obviously my partner, Jason. So, and I'm thankful for everybody in this billiard community out here. It's amazing. All right. Thanks, Scott. We'll hopefully, talk to you again. Hopefully more of these tournaments to come, guys. Sounds good. All right, everybody. That was Scott Frost. That's all I've got for you this week. I am back to Freezer's Ice House tomorrow to catch the 10 ball. I'm supposed to sit down with a couple of players this weekend to do some interviews for the show. Hopefully we will have something for everybody to listen to, hopefully next week. Uh, I think I think schedule-wise I can do that. So listen for another show next Thursday. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.